Well, good morning, church. Just like many parts make up the body, many people and families make up the church. We are in week six of Better Together. Wherever you find yourself this morning, whether you are watching in real time with coffee number three and kids climbing all over you, yes, that is typically how our Sundays start. Or maybe your Sunday morning hasn't started off so well and you find yourself catching up midweek. I am so glad that you have decided to tune in. Now, I feel like once I speak enough at what I like to call big church, uh, I won't need to do an introduction each time, but for those of you who don't know me or if this is your first time tuning into Bethany, my name is Dave and I oversee the youth and young adults here at Bethany. I'm married to Steph and she also happens to work here and we have an almost two-year-old son. But I do feel like I have to be very honest with you right from the start this morning. Steph and I very much broke the stay two meters apart rule that we've been living under for the last 18 months and we are expecting baby number two to arrive with us in August. So this series has been really interesting to dive into the idea that we are better together. We weren't created to do life alone and we certainly weren't created to do the parenting journey alone. So this series has been really neat to get the perspective from multiple generations and learn how I can bring my best to parenting my kids. As we are in the, the phase of expansion in our home, moving from only knowing trucks and cars and trains and now transitioning to bows, dolls and flowery dresses, I know for a fact that I will be reaching out to all you dads who have raised girls for advice. That is the phase that Steph and I are in. You may have read or heard that along your parenting journey. It's just a phase. Maybe it has come as an encouragement knowing that you will in fact make it through. Or perhaps those are the, just the last words that you want to hear when you're right in the thick of it. Yes, it might be just a phase, but uh, it sucks and I am so exhausted right now. But I'm often reminded of the second piece of that phrase, don't miss it. In the middle of chaos, we think it will never end and then it's over. We blink. Our kids are having their first day of school. They're having teenage romances. They are graduating college. They are getting married. And then they are making us, the parents, grandparents. So whatever phase you find yourself in today, don't miss it because it can be easy to miss it it can actually be easy to miss a whole phase in someone's life let me share a personal story to show you exactly what I mean by that you see I grew up in a church of about 180 families a traditional church with beautiful stained glass windows solid pews and original exposed beams we had a youth program of about 50 to 60 high school students on a weekly basis we had a week-long outreach program that drew in over 100 students from the community the week leading up to Easter. And that was just the best week of the student high school kind of youth year. And then we had a summer program where we would hit up the local beaches in literally winter jackets because it was so cold in summer. It was a church that invested in its students. But youth pastors weren't a thing. They didn't exist back then. So it was run by incredible volunteer leaders who had a passion for pouring into the lives of students. 
Now, going across to the UK, the mainland, Scotland, England, or Wales was part of the norm for university students. And if you got left behind in Northern Ireland, well, you kind of just got left on your own. You see, the church missed a phase. So I became a volunteer youth leader to pour back into the lives of students. But I remember this one lady at church. She was the previous minister's wife and actually the mother of one of my very close mentors. Every week she'd ask, so David, what are you going to do with your life? See, I knew it was serious business whenever I got called David. So I'd give her the vanilla answer, the answer that would keep her happy and let her go away for a couple of weeks before she would ask me again. But at that moment, I missed what she was doing. I missed what she was doing for me. You see, I took it as a pain, as an inconvenience. I tried to avoid her at all costs. I was 18. I had no clue what I wanted to do in life. This went on for three years. Three years of her asking me what I was going to do in life. But I can remember the day that I got to tell her that I had been accepted to art college in London, England. She was overjoyed. She listened to the excitement in my voice that I was going to do something I loved, that I was going to go and study photography. You see, she knew my potential that regardless of me struggling in high school, she knew that I could go to university and succeed. I just had to find what I was good at. So Maureen, if you ever happen to see this, thank you for your constant support, your encouragement and your investment even whenever I didn't take it for what it actually was in that moment. Thank you for not missing that phase. Now today I get to add to this Better Together series by focusing on the next generation, next gen, generation Z, our youth and young adults. Now I've wrestled with this for a number of weeks on what I should actually talk about today. Not really sure how to put my everyday, how to put my job into a talk that was worth sharing. For those of you who don't know me, and maybe those of you who do, self-doubt is my number one struggle. But thankfully, God uses people on a regular basis who don't think they are worth using. Here at Bethany, we have a great youth program. A program that has been successful for many, many years because of the hard work of so many individual people. Influential people who have decided that youth are valued. We do this because we are better together. We do this because we want to make sure that everybody is seen by someone to make sure that we don't miss this phase. We have a young adult gathering once a month here, a demographic that can often get overlooked, yet it can be the make or break chapter when it comes to faith. Young adults who actually serve across so many ministries here at Bethany, and without them, we really would struggle to make sure that everybody is seen by someone. Gen Z, let's break it down. Gen Z or next gen are awesome. You see, I love this generation. Maybe you're wondering, what is Gen Z? And I'm not going to lie, there are often times that I have to Google this to make sure I'm getting my dates right. 
but Gen Z is anyone born from 1997 to 2015. But this date is very much up for debate. But these are the dates that we are rolling with this morning. So the age range in 2021, that is this year, is 6 to 24. And here's just a few facts about Gen Z. They are a generation that has always known Wi-Fi. The Lion King has always been on Broadway. Parents, you may have had a Nintendo 64 that got you through the sleepless nights when they were a baby. You probably captured their first steps on a shoulder-mounted camcorder. Cell phones in classes have actually become the norm that teachers no longer know who is taking notes and who is planning the party at the weekend. Gen Z jumped on the Harry Potter bandwagon as Harry, Ron, and Hermione helped to build their reading skills. You see, baby boomers can't remember a world without TV. Millennials can't remember a world without computers. Gen Z doesn't know a world without constant, immediate, and convenient access to the internet. Gen Z is a generation that actually cares about what is going on in the world. They are a generation that cares more than any other generation before them. I don't know if any of you watch the news or not, or if you're on social media, but if you are, you will have seen in the last year as we have watched teenagers protest, they have signed petitions, they have sewn masks, they have started organizations, and they have raised money for families in need. They are marked by a very strong sense of wanting to make a difference and knowing that they can make a difference. They are connected to the world around them and aware of the world beyond themselves. They are a generation that fights for those who have lost their voice. They are a generation that is willing to do something. You see, Gen Z, they are producers, not consumers. All we have to do is look at social media. Look at any media content. Let's use TikTok, for example. How many of your teens and young adults are producing content for TikTok? They watch, they learn, and then they make it their own. So I have this question to get you all thinking this morning. How are we, the church, as a collective of people, learning from and engaging with the next generation? You see, I love that approach. They watch, learn, make it their own. But I think we can be quick to jump on the backs of next gen. All we see is them with their faces in devices. Devices and cell phones have become heated topics in the home. But let's face it, we are just as guilty. Remember, they watch, they learn, they make it their own. They are watching everything that we do. And it starts to have an influence. I want to talk about noise a little bit this morning. But I'm not a math guy, so I'm very thankful that this example comes from someone way smarter than me. Eric Samuel Tim wrote a book called Static Jedi, The Art of Hearing God Through the Noise, and he talks about building a wall. So I want you to picture your week, your daily routine of how you invest your time, the amount of noise that you face in a day. And if there is noise in your house at the minute, maybe close your eyes to focus. You see, it's the urgent and the not so urgent that pulls you away from the important. These are things that distract us. So I'm sorry, students. Eric says that school is not a distraction. And adults, your work is also not a distraction. 
So how many hours do you ingest of noise a day? How many hours a day do you spend on the internet? Clicking, checking, swiping, posting, updating. How much time is spent watching TV, movies, searching YouTube, playing online games? How many hours is spent picking up the phone after you've just put it down, glued to the feeds of Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok? For those of you who choose not to do online, Eric mentions that, that newspapers, magazines, board games, they all count as noise. So how many hours do you, get, do you spend caught up in noise? Write it down. This morning's example, we're going to use the number two because that is an easy number to work with. So let's use two hours of noise a day. Now, I'm a big fan of the daily screen usage report, especially when it's come down from the last few days. But whenever it starts to trend upwards, I get a little nervous. So that number is two hours a day or whatever your number is, multiplied by seven for the week. That's 14 in a week. Now picture a box, one box for every R, so 14 boxes. An average of four weeks in a month, so 14 times four is 56. 56 boxes for one month. 56 times 12 for the year is 672 boxes. Over one year, that adds up. There is a reason why I don't have boxes on stage for a demonstration this morning. Eric goes on to mention that approximately one month out of a year is devoted to just noise. So here's just the facts. We all struggle with noise and so do our kids and that the noise is not going away. But noise is how we miss a phase in life. If we are struggling to hear God through all of our noise, how can we expect our kids to hear from God? Especially whenever we aren't even talking about him. There is this phrase, the rise of the nuns, the N-O-N-E-S. What does it mean? Well, the rise of the nuns are those that, as Kathy Grossman puts it, aren't merely secularized. They're not thinking about religion and rejecting it. They're just not thinking about it at all. They are anyone who is religiously unaffiliated. When asked about religion, they don't put down a denomination anymore. They simply say, I am nothing. They fall into the middle. They don't not believe, but they also don't believe in God. The scary part is the younger the generation, the more and more post-Christian it is becoming noise. How do we talk about Jesus in the middle of all of this noise? Today, we are talking about cutting through the noise when it comes to youth and young adults. If you have teens, parents, you have an influence over them. You can bring them to church. You can encourage them to get involved in youth. They've got small group leaders that will reach out to them on a weekly basis. We can cut through the noise a little bit easier. We see them on the daily, sometimes hourly basis. We have more opportunities to talk faith with them. But when it comes to that first year of college, university, or the workplace, we start to lose that influence. 
our not-so-young teenagers are out on their own. They start making their own decisions. They start facing their own consequences. We see them on weekends when they hand us their load of dirty laundry. But our time to be an influence is drastically different. 72% of young adults will walk away from the church by age 23. Just let that sink in. See, what scares me about this statistic is that I was 23 whenever I decided to turn my back on the church. You see, because the church didn't want to invest in my demographic, I felt like I didn't have a place to belong in a church. Our young adults were not important to them. They missed a phase. So with all this noise and more and more falling into the category of the nuns, we need to do something. The church is in existence for a very specific reason, to introduce Jesus to a world that needs to hear about him. Now, we often talk about the world, changing the world starting here in Niagara, and if Gen Z are the generation that cares about the world around them, we need to be investing in them. We need to be leveraging their full potential. We need to be learning from them. Jesus talks about this reason in Matthew 5, 14 to 16. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you on a hilltop on a light stand, shine. Keep open house, be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Let your light shine so that others can see. You have the potential to turn the lights on and there is a generation that needs to see it. That is how we are going to cut through the noise. But this idea of light can get confusing, so let's break it down this morning. You see, light can be refracted. Its direction can be changed. Light can be used to our own advantage. Light can be used to make us look good. It is the power to burn blind and blame. But Jesus isn't talking about this kind of light here. There is a time and place for using light to point out what is wrong when it is done in love. But whenever we are talking about the next generation, whenever we are talking about a part of our church, our students, our young adults, man, the last thing I want to do is burn blind and blame. See, to me, that doesn't seem a very healthy way to encourage and engage with the next generation. A generation who are more and more feeling nothing when it comes to faith. In these verses, I believe Jesus is talking about a different kind of light. The light that reflects love. The light that reflects the goodness of God. The light that reflects the grace of God. The light that reflects who God really is to you and to me. It reflects the truth of Jesus. So how could the church look a little different if we took that approach, if we used a light that was warm, a light that does something good, a light that shows love? We need to pause for a second. As Christians, as the church, are we being an example of who Jesus is to the next generation by doing 
the things that he said we're supposed to do? Are we being a light and showing people his good nature by the things that we do? Remember, as we said earlier, this generation watches, learns, makes it their own. Faith is no different, guys. We have a generation that is watching how we live out our faith. We need to model what it looks like to be, a, to be human for a generation that is watching. The next gen is watching and they are watching so closely. They are forming what their faith either looks or doesn't look like based on one thing. How we are treating each other as Christians. So back to our question a few minutes ago. How are we being an example of who Jesus is? What version of faith of the church are you living out? Are you living one that, that uses light to burn blind and blame? One that is pushing the younger generation further and further away from the church and further and further into the category of the nuns? Or are you living out faith like Jesus called us to? By drawing the next generation in and showing them who Jesus is. Let's get practical. How do we actually do this? Well, you've probably heard the phrase, the youth are the church of tomorrow. Well, I agree with that to some degree, to the degree of the sole fact, yes, they are the church of tomorrow because they are going to outlive us. But that's where it ends for me. So let me put a new spin on this. Youth and young adults aren't the church of tomorrow. You see, the youth and young adults are a vital part of the church today. If we don't value them and pour into them today, we don't have a church tomorrow. If you have repairs needed in your car or your house or on a product, would you wait until the product was a certain age before you did anything, knowing all too well that the damage is going to be more expensive to repair? The wear is going to be much more no, you'd invest in it now. We need to do the same with our next gen. We need to invest in them now. We need to show them the love of Jesus now. We need to let them know that they are valued now. Not once they reach a certain age or they're married with the white picket fence and 2.5 kids. Youth and young adults are worth investing in now. I love what Ben and Luke said a few weeks ago in their video. We want to give back. We've always kind of looked up to people who were older than us and thought they were cool. Yes, we're not the most responsible, but we can still do something. Please don't write us off. We can still do something. Guys, yes, you can. And I just love your enthusiasm. You are part of a generation that is going to change the world. I love this verse in Ephesians 4, 16. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You see, we are each a supporting ligament. We get to hold each other up. Regardless of our age, we have the opportunity to hold others up, to influence the lives of others, to make sure that everybody is seen by someone. Let's make sure that we don't miss this crucial phase in our youth and young adults' lives. You see, we all bleed the same and we are more beautiful whenever we come together. Just as the next gen doesn't want to be written off because they are young and will make mistakes. 
I know for a fact that our seasoned, yes, our seasoned young adults don't want to be written off for being a little more mature in age and they will still make mistakes. So what is the challenge? Well, if we really are better together, then the challenge has to be about being together. We live in a culture that is so good at pointing the finger at other people. How would the world look if we chose to shine that light that Jesus calls us to? Let your light shine because we have an opportunity to impact a generation. I don't know about you, but this year has been one of the darkest moments we have ever experienced. And because of that, we have an opportunity like never before for a world who is watching to see who Jesus is. So for our seasoned young adults, which is essentially anyone who is over 30, and you become more seasoned as you move further away from 30, this week I want to encourage you to connect with a next gen. That could be grandkids, it could be the neighbor's kid, it could be someone in the grocery store while you are paying for your groceries. They aren't scary. They won't always have their faces buried in devices. They will talk to you. But the interactions you have with youth and young adults, how are you setting them up to succeed in their faith? Remember, you too were once a youth. For my youth and young adults, you guys are not getting off lightly this week. I want to encourage you to reach out to someone who isn't a next gen. It could be your neighbor, it could be a coach, it could be your parent's friend, it could be an elderly person who lives in your neighborhood. They aren't scary. They aren't always going to tell you off for doing something stupid. They will talk to you. And remember, you too will be old someday. As someone who works with this generation, I am constantly encouraged and challenged by them. They are going to be the generation that makes a difference in this world. We have a lot to learn from them. But that does come at a personal sacrifice. The sacrifice of getting out of our old habits of being stuck in our ways. Psalm 71 verse 18 says, Even when I'm old and grey, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. Though my wife likes to point out that my greys are coming in faster than I would like to admit, that is what I want to remember as I age, as I become more seasoned. To declare his power to the next generation. We talked about how the next gen today, they watch, they learn, they make it their own. For my kids, for those that look up to me, I know I want them to watch me, to learn from me, and then to make their faith their own. We need to cut through the noise. When we listen, we ensure that we never miss a phase. You see, listening is such a key part in life. If we want to influence others, we first need to understand what their life is like. So the challenge for all of us is this. Speak, we are listening. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for our next gen, for our youth and young adults here at Bethany. Lord, I thank you that, that they do not want to be written off because they are young and make mistakes. 
Lord, even in life, as we, as we become more seasoned, we still make these mistakes. So Lord, as we go out this week, as our interactions with the next gen occur, would we not write them off before we even speak to them, before we even find out their name, before we even find out what their life looks like? Lord, would we be willing to let them speak, to let them listen, listen to stories that we have to share, stories that can influence and change their lives? Would they listen as we set them up for success in their faith? But Lord, as we speak, would we also be willing to listen, to hear their stories, to hear what they can do and give to us? on how they can change the world. So Lord, as these interactions happen, would we be all willing to listen? That is the challenge this week, to listen, to engage with, to learn from. Lord, we remember that that our next gen, they watch, they learn, and they make it their own. So the interactions that we have with them, would they be positive? Would they be uplifting? Would they be glorifying your name? Would they be shining a light that you call us to? In your name we pray, amen.